You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on this season of Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 362. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Thursday interview for you. We're talking to Kate Casey from the Reality Life podcast. Had her on about two and a half months ago, but I became uh, kind of mini obsessed with this new couple in the, I wouldn't say new couple, they've been a couple forever, but I just found out about them because I watched Dance with the Stars. I wanted to bring her on to talk about Mauricio Amansky and Kyle Richards. She always seems to help me out and fill me in on stuff that I have no clue about. We talk a little bit about Vanderpump Rules, then we get into what we always get into at the end of our conversations, and that are what are some good documentaries to check out on any of the streaming services. So we will cover all that and more coming up on this podcast momentarily. Before we get to that, there's one thing I want to say in regards to the audio of this interview with Kate. You'll notice for probably once we start the interview for probably about the first 17, 16 or 17 minutes, you can understand her. But it definitely when I was listening, I'm like, man, it sounds like it's a little bit muffled or it's a little uh, it's got too much of a hollow sound to it, almost like she was in a hallway. And so. Just know that that changes after about minute 16 or 17. Well, I shouldn't say. Wait. Don't look at don't look at minute 16 or 17 on your timer on where you listen to your podcast because I'm talking about 16 or 17 minutes into me talking to her. So it all depends on how much this open is and how many commercials run. So uh, I'd say you're going to notice the difference. Trust me. So if you're having trouble hearing in the first 16 or 17 minutes, don't worry. That's not the whole podcast. It got better because I was I paused and I was like, hey, can you, are, are you on speaker? She's like, no. She goes, I got my headphones in. I'm like, take your headphones out and see what happens. And then she's like, yeah, I think. And then she did it. I'm like, okay, that sounds much, much clearer. So it's not like you really have to fight through it in those first 16 or 17. I could understand her, but I just knew it had a hollow sound to it. So that is taken care of. So keep that in mind. Before we get to it, I want to talk about the daily roundup that went up a couple hours ago. You can check that out if you did not listen. Spoiler here for Joey's hometown dates filming number hometown date number two is today. It's with Kelsey Anderson. It is in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I do know that Rachel Nance has one of the other two final hometown dates. I also know that Jen Tran was eliminated in Canada. So that only leaves two possible spots for who gets a fourth hometown, not necessarily the fourth filmed hometown, because while I know that Rachel has one of the final two, I don't know if she's filming hers on Saturday or Monday, but it only leaves two possibilities of who could have uh, the fourth hometown date. And that's either Maria uh, Gorgas, Georges, I don't know how to pronounce it, sorry, or Kelsey Toussaint. Now, by the way they have filmed in the past, geographically, when they start hometowns, they usually work east to west. It's kind of pretty much what they've always done, as long as the Final Four Rose Ceremony is in California, which it is this year. So um, I do remember, I don't know why I remember this, but Juan Pablo's season filmed their Final Four Rose Ceremony in Florida. So they actually worked west to east that season. But pretty much almost every season they work east to west. So the fourth hometown is closest to California. Well, Between those two women, 
Kelsey Toussaint is in California. By the way, Rachel Nance is in California as well. So hers is going to be filmed either Saturday or Monday in California. And Kelsey Toussaint, her hometown would be in California. Maria lives in Canada. And they were in Canada at Final Six. So, I mean, logically thinking, if Maria got a hometown date, you would think it would have been filmed first or second because they were already in Canada. And they would just work their way back. But I haven't gotten it confirmed it is Kelsey Toussaint, but it's between Kelsey and Maria. And I just I just have a hard time believing it's Maria. But I have not been told this is your final four. The only three that I did know, you know like I, I told you at the beginning of the week, I heard rumblings and I thought I had three. And I knew I, I and those were the three. It was Daisy, Kelsey Anderson, and Rachel Nance. Those were the three that I was pretty sure on. And then Daisy was confirmed Tuesday. Kelsey was confirmed as well. And then I know that Rachel Nance is coming up either Saturday or Monday. So keep that in mind. That's where we're at with Joey's filming. And then I'm still waiting to hear where they're headed for um, overnight dates and final rose ceremony. So yeah, we are going to be down next Tuesday. We're going to be down to three people on Joey's season. I don't know if I'm going to know it right away, but we're going to be down to three people. So this is, uh, it's, it's really moving along, but I know people are saying like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're down to three. I'm telling you, it's the same exact schedule it's always been. They are on literally almost to the date the same exact schedule as some past seasons. Remember, I told you on Ben Flanick's season, Courtney had the fourth hometown date and her hometown date was on Halloween. Well, the fourth hometown date this year is going to be Monday and that's October 30th. So same thing. So, so I know... Because it's not top of mind for a lot of people, you think it's moving fast. But as I say every season, it takes four weeks to go from however many they start with, 28, 29, 30. It takes four weeks to go from, let's just say, 30 women down to four. And it takes three weeks from go from, to go from four down to one. So just always keep that in mind because... They're spaced out. There's more traveling. There's a day in between each hometown date filming, and then they're usually traveling overseas internationally, so they take a couple days off when they go to film overnights and final rose ceremony. There's days off in between the overnight dates, and during that first month, the only days off are travel days. So keep that in mind, and when they're in L.A., they don't take any days off. So just keep that in mind. This season is no different. It's not moving any faster than any past season. You're just... I guess not paying attention to how past seasons have filmed because this is right on track with other past seasons. And also the other thing I talk about in today's daily roundup is just kind of the response to, you know, suggesting people donate to Clayton's uh, GoFundMe. And he didn't start the GoFundMe. He's not asking people for it. Dave Neal started it because we watched about an hour of Clayton's hearing this past Tuesday where he's filed a, order of protection against the woman who is claiming to be pregnant with his twins. So he represented himself. And while he did as good a job as he could, he's not a lawyer and he needs help. And just because he was the bachelor doesn't necessarily mean he's rolling around in money. You realize Clayton has 5,000 more followers than I do. This guy was the bachelor, the lead on a nationally televised popular dating show. That's been around for 20 years. He's got 5,000 more followers than me. And I've never been on TV. So that's what I mean. It's just like there's so many other ways you can kind of help out and 
And just the responses that I got yesterday was really disappointing sometimes. So I, just listen to that. And if you can, help out. And if you don't, and if you can't help out or you don't want to help out, that's fine. But you don't need to give a reason why you don't want to help out. I don't care. And Dave doesn't care. Yet that's what we have to deal with is people telling us their reasoning for why you don't want to donate. I guarantee, I said it when I had Dave on the podcast a couple weeks ago, I guarantee if this was Tyler Cameron in this exact same situation, nobody would be giving the responses they are of why they're not donating. They would just not donate and not say anything. But because people have their own biases of a guy who really, (laughs) yeah, he screwed up on a reality TV show and he's owned it. And yet, People just can't get past that, and I'm no, I'll never understand that. But anyway, just take a listen to that. That's in the Daily Roundup. That's been in your uh, podcast feed for a couple hours now. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's get going. Podcast number 362. All right, let's bring her in. Uh, she is the host of the Reality Life Podcast with Kate Casey. She is a multi-time guest on this show. Love having her on. Kate, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I love coming on. We've got a lot to talk about. And when I've had you on in the past, there's one couple that I've always talked about in the Housewives franchise that I was <laughs> absolutely obsessed with just because I always thought she was gorgeous, but I don't watch the show. I don't really follow them. But anytime I saw a headline involving them, I was yeah. like, what's the deal? And I've always brought you on to be like, hey, give me the backstory of these two and whatnot. And that's Teresa. And uh, what's his name? What's the husband's name? Oh, his name's Louie. Yeah. Ter- uh, Louis. Oh, no, Teresa. Uh, no, um. The Gorga. The Gorgas. Oh, Melissa. Yeah. Melissa. Oh, why did I say Teresa? Yeah, Melissa Gorga. Uh, and what's her husband's name? Uh, Joe. Joe Gorga. That's Joe. Teresa's brother. Teresa's so it's a genius. family. Genius. Okay. Ter- Ter- Teresa and Joe um, are brother and sister. So it's Joe Gorga and then Teresa Judice. And Teresa was married to Joe Judice. And then they both went to um, prison. prison because of financial issues. And then Joe. Judice now lives in the Bahamas. Uh, first, he was sent to Italy, where he, um, he he was born and raised in Italy. And then when he came here, he never filled out the paperwork. So once the, all the legal issues happened, he was sent to Italy. And now he lives in the Bahamas. And so that's where the daughters can go to, go to visit him. Um, and in the meantime, uh, Joe, the younger brother of Teresa, married Melissa. And Melissa and Teresa have always despised each other. A lot of it, I think, is that they're very similar in personality and style and all the ways. And I think that in the way they grew up, their parents kind of set it up where 
Teresa's kind of like the boss of the younger brother. And so I think that it was hard for Teresa in some ways to accept that her brother not only kind of didn't ask her permission in a way of like, who should I marry? Not permission, but like advice maybe. And then he marries a girl that's just like her. And so there's this power dynamic that's always going on between the two two of them, which I think a lot of people can relate to, especially maybe if they've come from Italian families. Um, endlessly entertaining. Uh, there are some episodes of Housewives if you ever want to dip back and watch. The one I recommend is when uh, Melissa and Joe joined the show and they had a, a, a like a baptism for their son and Joe and Teresa got into a huge fight and it culminated in Joe Gorga punching Joe Judice at the baptism. There are so many episodes that are fantastic, though. It's endlessly entertaining. So now that Teresa, um, once she left prison, she got kind of got her, her life back. And I should know, she owed a lot of money to the federal government and has totally paid it all off. Like, props to her. Um, she meets this guy, Louie, and he's very um, slimy. I'm not a fan of him. For all the housewives, like, I'm always kind of rooting for all of them because I think if you put your life on TV, you know, there's a part of me that has, like, an affinity for you because I feel like you've, like, made this big sacrifice in some way. And I just find all of them kind of, the shows in my own way, I think they humanize them. So when she got hooked up with this guy, Louie, and he's slimy, and I feel like he doesn't have the best interest it even more complicated the relationship that Teresa and Melissa and Joe had as a family. Um, and I feel like he knows how to wind Teresa up. I, I'm afraid that in the end she might have her heart broken, but I hope it doesn't happen. But I don't think those two outside of the show would ever speak to each other. And the fact that they're on this television show together, which makes them an enormous amount of money and gives them opportunity, is the only way that this, they're kind of like still in, in one another's orbit. So... Yeah, it's totally entertaining. So are they still on, what is it, New Jersey? Uh, they're still on New Jersey. And they have been filming. They're still filming. But it, it's interesting with New Jersey. Like a lot of those housewife shows, they stop filming and it doesn't air for like, it could be like six months. With New Jersey, they quickly like, it's like they stop filming and then they start filming soon after. It feels like the show's always on. And I think it's because in that case, there's always so many developments and people are so consumed by like what's happening in, in the family of the Gorgas and the Judices that if they waited six months, it would be just old news. It's kind of like the same problem I think the Kardashians had when they were on E! That they couldn't keep up with the, the, the social media aspect of the show. So like on Keep It Up the Kardashians, all the stories seem like old news once they aired and they do a much better job with that on Kardashians on Hulu. Okay, so my thing was I was I was always just I always thought Melissa was hot. That was really it. I didn't. She's very pretty. Yeah, knew nothing about her, and didn't watch any of the show. But um, and then you know with Joe and all that. Now I have a new couple in the Housewives franchise that I need some deets on. I need the backstory. I need to know what's going on currently, and that is with. Mauricio Imansky and Kyle Richards. Oh yeah. Okay. There's a lot here. So, there, so yeah. let me let me tell you what I know just off reading headlines and stories. So I know that they were married in uh, I think uh, mid 90s. They have a couple kids together, but the the updated version is number one. Mauricio is currently on 
Dancing with the Stars. Last night, we're recording this on Wednesday, Tuesday night show. He dedicated his dance to his wife. So weird, right? But if I'm reading correctly, aren't they separated and she's dating a woman? <laughs> what is what is happening I, here? Th- that that was not in my bingo card. Okay, so these two have been married for a long time. And the backstory is that Kyle is one of the three Richard sisters. And I recommend anybody, if they want some homework, to get a copy of the Jerry Oppenheimer book called The House of Hilton's, which gives a whole backstory on Paris's mother and her two aunts and her family, and really their 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 mother. So you have Kathy Hilton, who's Paris's mother. You have Kim Richards, who was like a childhood actor, um, like a big, big deal in her time, like in the 70s. And now it's kind of like um, off the grid. And because she's kind of always a disaster. And then you have Kyle, who was an actress. Um, and she married, first she got married to another gentleman. And that didn't last long. And she had her daughter, Farah. And then soon after that, she met Mauricio. And Mauricio had just come to the United States, and he got into real estate. They both, I think, got their license, real estate license. And he went to work for Kathy's husband, Rick, Rick Hilton at Hilton Highland. Well, I think that it was very hard for him because he did very well at while he worked for that company and then decided to go on his own because the rumor is that he was not getting, like, a higher position in the company. It, you know, kind of like you need to know your place. So seeing that there was no kind of future for him, he went out and started the agency and the agency has become a very successful real estate company, not just in Los Angeles, but really kind of like all over the world now. So it caused a lot of friction between Kathy Hilton and Kyle Richards because here Kyle's husband had left the, 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 the family business, so to speak, and did even better, was even more successful. And I think in some families, you know, people kind of get comfortable being like the most successful in a family, like they make the most money. And then your little sister and her husband that you don't really like that much become exponentially more successful because of his business. And also because she decided to go on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. In fact, if you go back and listen to my interview with the executive producer, he tells the story how when they first started Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, they wanted Kyle Kathy and Kim to all be on the show, but Kathy was kind of snubbed her nose, like, yeah, I'm not interested, like, I'm above it all. Well, here's Kyle, the younger sister, and I kind of always explain these three in this way. Kathy was the dictator, Kim's the disaster, and Kyle's the doormat. Kyle was the younger sister who um, would get bit parts, but but Kim was the, the one who kind of brought in money to the family, and then uh, Kathy had married Rick very young, and he was from the Hilton family. So I think that their mother kind of encouraged them to be mindful that when you get married, you want to marry somebody who has like money and security and all of that. So Kyle was always kind of like on the side. And then she's on this TV show. She gets very successful from it. Mauricio does very well financially. So it caused a lot of family problems. So in the meantime, Kyle's on the show and Mauricio's on the show with her and they are presenting themselves as having like this fantastic marriage. Like she's so hot for him. She hates it if anybody flirts with him. They're like, they're all over each other. And then for The Knot magazine, which is this like wedding magazine, they had just celebrated, I think it was last year or the year before, the 20th anniversary of the magazine and they put Kyle and Mauricio on the cover. So, yeah, they're, they're really putting themselves out there as, like, we've done it. Like, there was one time where she was on Watch What Happens Live, 
And Andy Cohen said, oh, it's your anniversary. And guess what? Mauricio sent you a beautiful jewelry gift and she opened it on air. So you get the point. It's like they're fantastic. They've got all these kids. They're, they're, they're killing, killing the game. So imagine our surprise when there is a, I think it really began with Kyle was posting selfies in the gym that people st started to notice. And she was losing an enormous amount of weight. And then all of a sudden, there's this woman in pictures with her and, and a lot younger. Um, and they're like, well, what, what's this about? And then there was the announcement via People magazine. I believe my friend Dave Quinn wrote the article, I would like to know, um, saying that they had announced their separation. And then it seemed like there was uh, some chatter behind the scenes, like one of the within the couple was not comfortable with the statement and kind of. I think Mauricio was kind of like, oh, well, that's not true. We're not really, uh, we're not really separated. So the, clearly some communication issues. And then we see pictures of Kyle all the time with the said woman from the earlier pictures, a very young country music star that I had never heard of until then named Morgan Wade with lots of tattoos and a really thick Southern accent who, as I would, I always say, plucked from obscurity in some ways because Although she was like, you know, known in the in the country music world to some degree, this really it made her explode. Like mainstream, you know, people all over the world now are going, "Who is this woman, and why is she spending so much time with Kyle?" And so it's been this game of trying to figure out if they're in an intimate relationship in any way. And there are pictures that certainly added to that because there was a picture of Kyle like on a private jet and. Um, Morgan's on her lap, like sitting there. So in some ways she's like, oh, well, this is a private, you know, private matter. Like I'm going through separation. This is a really hard time. But then she would post pictures where you're like, okay, obviously there must be something going on. Add to that, Morgan then releases a music video. And I was like, do people make music videos anymore? Well, she made one. And in it, did you watch it? She's like, in a very like it's basically about a, a like a, a young woman in a relationship with an older woman and it's like they're in the bathtub and they're almost kissing and so it's like okay like you want your privacy and but we're being led to believe that you're obviously together so there's this push and pull and then mauricio who was like this business guy out of nowhere goes, I'm going to be a contestant on Fancy with the Stars. And people are like, what are you talking about? Like, what is happening? And this was after Netflix last season. Um, he got a show on Netflix called Buying Beverly Hills, which was really about his business, the agency. So God knows there are enough reality shows about real estate companies in the world. I actually liked it because it, it showcased how his daughters worked with him. And I remember asking the daughter, I, I interviewed her about whether or not her mom, Kyle, would be on the show. And she made it seem like there were contractual issues with Real Housewives of Beverly Hills that would disallow it from happening. But now in retrospect, I wonder if it was more than that. Because cut to, they released the trailer for this new season of Beverly Hills. And the conversations about the separation are, are very present in the trailer. And it leads you to believe that their marriage was actually not as picture perfect as one would expect. And I think that the, the season's going to be pulling back the layers. Now, rumors are that he was a notorious cheater and that she kind of looked the other way for the sake of keeping the family together and that maybe something would have ha ha happened with one of those uh, affairs that 
like may have crossed a boundary and she had had enough. And maybe meeting this other woman may have spurred her um, to to make a decision where she's like, you know what, um, I have not been feeling like like I have had my needs met and this is a better option. And my last part of it that I needed to add it was, you got to go back and watch a clip of very, it was like the second season, I believe, of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, where Camille Grammer, who was married to Kelsey Grammer at the time, has a dinner party at her house, and she invited the, the, the medium, Allison Dubois. Remember, she had that show called The Medium? Um, well, Allison's at this dinner party, and she's, like, vaping and kind of being obnoxious a bit. And Kyle, who brought Faye Resnick, I'm not kidding you, this is all what happened. You're like, your head's exploding. They're kind of like baiting her at the dinner table, like, oh, okay, you're a medium. And then while Alison Dubois is vaping, she says, oh, just so you know, he'll, uh, you're married. And she, you've, been, uh, you've been married two times and, or something, something about being married two times. And Kyle says, yes, this is my second marriage. And she says, oh, well, that's good. Um, because just so you know, he will, uh, he, he will never emotionally fulfill you. Just know that. And in that moment, years ago, Kyle's flustered. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, I have an amazing marriage. Like, the joke's on you. And some people thought at the time, well, maybe she was really reading Camille because Camille was on the outs with her husband. And now, years later, this, this whole thing's happening and people are like, I mean, maybe Alison Dubois was right that he wasn't emotionally fulfilling her. And now that her kids are older, maybe she's like... I'm not going to stick around for this. Like I want my own needs to be met. And of course, Alison Dubois did this interview where on her, I think she has a podcast where she said, I knew exactly what I was saying at the time. She just needed, you know, to come to the own realization. So sticking by it, but like the problem maybe in their marriage was he was not emotionally fulfilling her in a way that she wanted. So I, I don't know. I, we're going to find out this season what's really happening, but the most cringy thing for me, again, I can't believe this guy is on Dancing with the Sparks. It makes no sense to me. The outfits that he's wearing are just hilarious because you, you see him on the show in like a suit selling like a major, like a million dollar property. And then he's doing the samba and it's like hard to calibrate to that. But the last episode, the first episode, I should say, she showed up to support him. And you could see that she was like, there's no place I would rather hate to be than this place. Um, the last episode, now there are rumors that he maybe hooking up with his dance partner, which of course, because I feel like everybody on Dancing with the Stars ends up having sex with their dance partner. But they were photographed like holding hands, like going into practice, you know, their practice or something. So in the last episode, which was I guess last night, I, I, I saw a clip of it. I, I almost like yelped like an animal in the wild when I saw it because it was so funny. He does this whole routine where he, de in the beginning of the day, he, he says, I'm dedicating my performance to Kyle and our family because she was my rock and blah, 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 blah. And then he does this dance routine with like his shirts open and it's very like sexual. And at the end of it, he falls to the ground. The dance partner gets on top of him. Like she's riding him and then lays back. So they're both like laying in this like very sexual position. And so the memes are, I dedicate this performance to Kyle where he's like in a sexual position with like another woman. So I think in the same way that New Jersey, you're unraveling this very toxic relationship between a brother, a sister, and a sister-in-law, 
you're going to feel that same way about Beverly Hills because oh, for the last couple of years, obviously, we've been paying a lot of attention to Erica Jane and whether or not she knew that her husband was like frauding victims. But I think this adds to the kind of like unfeeling layers. Like, wait, in Erica's case, it was like, I thought you were wealthy. And now then you find out it's like from a rags to riches store or riches to rags story. In this one, you're like, I thought you were happily married and maybe it was all you pretending. And I'll add to that, you fall in love with a much younger woman. And that I think was, seems to be very unexpected for Mauricio. But then I'm also kind of like, yeah, but maybe if you weren't paying attention to her, like, this is what happens. Like, you were not fulfilling her. Like, why, why are you surprised she found love somewhere else? If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we changed the audio a bit. I, the first, uh, you were a little bit hollow there, so I asked if you can change it. You sound a lot better now. So getting back to what you were saying about this Mauricio and Kyle stuff, I guess my question would be, when, when the new season starts, do we know if this Morgan Wade women, woman is going to be a part of it? I believe she is a part of it, yes. Okay. So she is going to be, we're going we're gonna to learn more about her. My other question oh, and, is... Oh, wait. Another thing is that all of a sudden Kyle announced that she was making some sort of documentary about Morgan. And so the question is, what? people are kind of like, wait, have you been making something about her the whole time and this is just your way of publicizing it? Or is this like a, like a Hail Mary move where you're like, how do we make this all seem like it's not what it is? So maybe I'll just pretend that I'm executive producing a story about you. So that it's almost like a true crime documentary in that way. Okay, so I guess my question would then be, has Kyle Richards directly addressed, like people, she knows people are speculating, is she or isn't she in a relationship with this woman? Why is she walking around with him? I believe I saw a picture at one point, maybe I could be wrong, of them holding hands, walking down the street, something like that. Um, maybe that's not true, but regardless, has she directly addressed, are you dating no, I think Someone what else. she just says is like, no, we're just good friends. Like she's like, I have a lot of close friends, and she's one of them, and it's just, it's just that. Okay. But then I like, I'm also kind of like, if you're in a new relationship, maybe, uh, like maybe she doesn't want to scare this woman off, right? Like, yeah, she was a country music star, and she's in the entertainment business to some degree. Yeah, she's you know signed up for this, but at the same time, she's only like 28 years old, and that might be like. I could see somebody else going. I know I've had plenty of years to thicken my skin and be able to weather this, but maybe maybe that's out of concern for, for Morgan. Like, you might not be able to handle the intrusiveness that will come with this. What? How old is Kyle? Is she mid-40s, late-40s? 
No, I think she's early fifties. Early fifties. Okay. Um, that is, it's interesting. And I, like I said, the only reason I care about this is because I'm a dancer with the stars fan. I've watched every episode since season one and I did not know the name Mauricio Omansky, let alone he was married to Kyle Richards until the cast was released this season. So I've just kind of been following it. And then I was like, wait, this is the guy that he's going well, on. A what sh- I think happened, I think what happened, what they said is that they asked Kyle and Morgan to participate in the show and they said no. <laughs> so then they were like, well, how about your weird husband? Well, that's the other thing. I'm just like. When I when I saw he was announced as the cast, he's like, oh, you know, the husband of Kyle Riches. I'm like, wait a second, didn't I just read? They're going through a, they're like literally in the middle of a separation, and he's choosing to do this show. Like, well, also, what is going like, on here? You, like, you know, you don't you operate this like major real estate company? I I say that because I watched a full season of his show, and I know how demanding that job would be. I'm like, how? Like, my husband as a CEO, like, oh, he's not going to go do a dancing show no, like yeah you're a husband on real housewives but like are you a celebrity i mean sometimes dancing with a star i get just so confused how they cast well the other thing is i mean i don't know i don't know enough about his business but can't he have people uh, he's been running it long enough to where he's the face of the company but can he have people under him kind of running the show i don't know well, it's also expanding. Like every year it expands more and more. I just can't. Um, that's a significant amount of time. But also he just looks like he, it makes it look like he's chasing fame. Whereas before, I think he was more likable because he just seemed like the supportive husband to a wife who has been in the entertainment industry since she was a young girl. And then all of a sudden you're like, mm, like people who watch The Real Housewives never like a husband who's a thirst trap. Like we hate it. We're like, what are you doing? And I feel like he's a little thirst trappy right now. Yeah. And the way he's like, I dedicate this to Kyle. Like, oh, come on. So she was, I guess she put up a post earlier where she was like, uh, like in support of him. And then he put out that like weird, weird like statement. Like I'm doing this in support of. Uh, out of whatever, in honor of Kyle, she was my real rock. I guess apparently she deleted it. She was probably like, "Oh, for the for the hell, of, well, like shut up, like well, this is too much." But he okay, and also, but also to that, then you have Dorit, who's also on the show, and she's um, got this very like mangled accent because her parents are from Israel and she's from Connecticut, but lived in Miami, and then she's married. She's been married to PK, who's British. I guess that happens to sometimes when people like live all the place, live all over the place. And then they live with somebody with a thick accent, but she's interesting because she's always been kind of like kind of quiet. And she had a house robbery in Beverly Hills last year and had major PTSD from it. And then unbeknownst to the the viewers, apparently there was a second robbery that no one knew about that they mentioned in the trailer. And then you see a moment where PK uh, her husband is talking to her and it makes it sound like he, he's pretty uh, um, uh, like insensitive about like, when are you going to kind of get over this? Like, uh, like enough, like, can we move past this PTSD and the robbery thing? What doesn't help it is that people have long suspected that maybe the robbery was some sort of setup. <laughs> now, do I think that I don't, I don't think someone would do that to their wife. That sounds pretty bombastic and bomb like diabolical, but that's I'm just telling you that's what the housewives audience is like what is going on so apparently they're not in in a great place and so you have these two couples that used to hang out all the time together 
and now both of them are seem to be experiencing separations. Well, it seems like with Mauricio just going through all this, to dedicate the this week's dance to his wife, even though it is known, and I'm, I'm guessing they both have acknowledged that they're going through a separation, but then Kyle never shows up to any of his dances. It's not like she's there and they're, and they're working on things. It just seemed to like a really weird flex to be like, I dedicate this to my wife, who I'm currently going through a separation with, even though I was caught with my dance partner the other day holding hands leaving a restaurant. Like, what is well, the way happening? I, the, way, the way I read that is I, in order to stay on this show, I got to have a lot of people supporting me and calling in. Yeah. And the way I got to do it is to have as much attention put on me as well. I need her to like retweet this, you know, repost this, talk about me nonstop. If I don't have her support, I'm going to have less votes. So I think there's that. And I also think Kyle's probably like, who are you? Like, I thought you were like this real estate agent who like found me on a reality show so embarrassing to some way, in some way. And now you're on like dancing with the stars and you're clearly using the fact that we're going through a separation as some storyline for you on this dumb dancing, sorry, this dancing show. And then also you got to wonder like, if it's true that he was a cheater for a long time, you think she's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to support you by reposting that you're doing some like cha-cha in, uh, in like, uh, in like as an homage to me. It's so weird. It's like, you can't listen. They could have a scripted sitcom, a comedy sitcom. And we like, we wouldn't even believe it. We'd be like, there's nobody in the world that would act this way. And the story is so insane. You're only going to get these stories in unscripted television because people are ultimately bananas. All right, let's move on to the next show that I wanted to talk about because we spent a lot of time on it last time you were on, which was about two and a half months ago. And I just, we're not going to spend too much time on it because nothing has aired since we last talked about it. And that's Vanderpump Rules. Do we know? Oh, yeah. Do we know a start date? When is this coming on? Um, Not yet. I'm going to presume maybe like January, maybe, because I think that that's a, that's a good month where Bravo likes to kind of roll out some of their new shows that seems like to me that would be the perfect month to do it what? because pe people kind of like slow things down the holidays so if i were a betting person i'd say january what are we hearing about storylines for this season uh the reaction to filming with sandoval clearly we i remember seeing there was a group photo taken at some event and clearly ariana was in the photo and so was so was tom not that they had to be not, they weren't standing next to each other but Again, you know, she has said she vowed on the reunion show, I will never film with that guy again, which I didn't believe for two seconds. But <laughs> right. um, yeah, have we heard any have you heard any rumblings of storylines and what we can expect this season? Is is anybody it's new gonna, being brought it, in or anything like that? It's going to be the aftermath of Scandal. And I they quickly like, well, that's not they quickly mean quicker than they normally do. They did give them a little break. You can go back and listen to my interview with Alex Baskin, the executive producer. Yeah. He said something that was very interesting. He said um, that they needed a to have a little bit of a break because it was fast and furious. They had fi finished filming and then this happened and they quickly got cameras back up. So they want to give him a hot minute, but. He also said, I asked him, like, as a as someone behind the scenes, are you worried that you can't get the same interest? Like, the numbers are so high for the season. How can you keep people interested? And he said, uh, like, it keeps me up all the time. Like, you, it'll never be like what it is this season. Um, 
And you see that too, because they started filming the next season. And like you mentioned, they were, there was this group photo. I think a fan like asked for a picture of all of them and people went insane. They're like, wait a minute. You mean that Ariana and Tom are talking now? Because I think people got so invested in it. The idea of them like working it out, they went insane. So if you think about it, like if you're someone on that show, what incentive do you have to be a normal person and go, let's bygones be bygones. Like maybe we weren't a good fit, you know, like I, I know that you cheated on her, but you know, that had nothing to do with me. Let's move forward. What incentive do they have for that when the fans like berate you if you're still talking to Tom Sandoval? I mean, Sheena experienced that. Like she was in the picture with Tom and people were like, how could you? And I feel like Ariana from the clips too on Dancing with the Stars, it's like they really want her to continue talking about how she was betrayed. I would assume she's sick of talking about Tom Sandoval, wouldn't you think? I would think so because yeah, and, but I feel like they they need to keep that all going to keep fans interested, and I'm I'm assuming that they're all exhausted by it. Um, so basically, it's all about the aftermath. Um, so I just don't know how interesting it's going to be. And we don't know. We don't know if they actually sat down in a one on. I guarantee there's going to be a scene where they are both. I in think it. she's. I think Sheena and Sandoval. I think I read somewhere that they did sit down. Listen, you have to do that because. You you gotta be have them film to some degree all together. I don't know yeah. to the, the lengths through which um, Ariana and Tom. I'm sure that listen, they had they still live in the same house. I'm sure filming together didn't add much joy to their lives. But you gotta film together. It's like Real Housewives or any of these shows where people go on a reunion, they despise one another, and then they're like. They got to accept, like, if we want to stay on the show and keep the gravy train going, we got to, like, make amends in some way. And we all know that during their little break between the ending of the reunion show and the season 11 filming, Tom went uh, to go film Special Forces, which was only a 10-day film, but, I mean, with a couple days on probably the front end and the back end, it was not a long filming process for him to go out and film Special Forces. But as of right now, he's still on the show. They are five days in uh, the actual show, and he's still there. He's doing fairly decent, but yeah. he is talking about it, and some of the people that are on the cast with him have no idea about. Oh what, no! I interviewed Tara Reid, and she's like, I didn't even, yeah. <laughs> she's like, I didn't even know who he was. I didn't understand what they were talking about. Yeah, it's funny. I just had um. By the way, I just as a side note for those that love that show, I just today I have. Kelly Rizzo on, but also I have two actual members of Special Forces Green Berets who talk about what their recruiting process really is like and like what their job does entail. Oh, nice. Are they? Yeah. Uh, did they say that the t television show is somewhat so they, realistic they, to the? To yeah, they like life? they they like it a lot. Um, so th the show is only for I think eight to ten days, but the yeah. actual process is actually twenty one days. Mm -hmm. But they said, you know, um, you'd be surprised who tries out and, and like, and who makes it. It's not always what you expect. They felt like the reason that Hannah Brown and they said, I know the people say it's been rigged, you, you know, but like the Hannah Brown won because she had a combination of um, grit and kind of like opening herself up and you kind of have to do that. And when, when the recruits are going through that process, they're paying attention to like how introspective somebody is like 
can are they figuring out their own limits because that's a really important part of the job and they also said like you got to know like if you're a leader you better be the best leader but if you're a follower you have to figure out what tools in you know to use to to be the best person to be of support to the person in your cadre so it's interesting yeah i really enjoy the show because it's not you know we we see reality shows where it's like you know the housewives it's like okay we're going to film you guys at a dinner party and stuff like that like this is a real reality show. There's no faking what they're doing. There's no faking, hey, get on the ground and do 30 push-ups in the you know freezing cold and stuff like that. They're putting, they're being, we're, it's like we're watching them, we are watching them in a boot camp. And mm-hmm. it's, you can't fake that. And I think the other thing, interesting thing about that show is all the ITMs are done pre-show. It's not like we are seeing them go through one of the tasks that they have yeah. to do, like crawl across a zip line 4,600 feet uh, above sea level. And then right when they're done, they pull them aside and get them in an ITM. It's like, no, we don't get any of their ITMs during the season. The only time we're hearing from these people of their experience is anything they've done post filming. Nick has talked about it a little bit. He's had Tyler Cameron on, he's had Jojo on, but it's a really, it's a really good show. And yeah, I mean, season one, Hannah Brown and Carly Lloyd were the two women that got to the end. Hannah Brown. I mean, it was amazing. She's, she comes from a pageant background. She's not athletic right. whatsoever, but she made it to the end. She never quit and never gave up. And we've already had well, basically they, five yeah, quitters. That's this what year. they said. The biggest thing is you just cannot quit. So they were like yeah. watching some of them, like, don't give up, don't give up. Um, but Kelly said, first of all, they don't show it, but you have to be moving on your feet the whole time. So even when you're back at base, you're running. You go to the bathroom, you're running. You have to be with a partner. She said, JoJo Siwa was usually with her, running with her. Yeah. Um, she, uh, but also she said she felt like she had to quit because her worry was like, this might be a prolonged injury if I don't stop. Yeah. She was definitely injured in the last episode. It seemed like her back, uh, pretty much had given out and she just couldn't do it anymore. And that's why she turned in her band and, and, and gave up. But that's what I'm saying. Like we had NFL players, like world-class athletes that couldn't make it through this, but Hannah Brown did. It goes to show grit, determination, and just not quitting because, there are people that were physically way, way stronger and had been in the trenches in professional sports before that couldn't make it through 10 days. But Hannah Brown, a pageant girl and a bachelorette did, you know, it just doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense, but it has nothing to do with strength. Now, with Tara, having watched her episodes this season. Oh, I, I know about that one. She told me I know she got a call two days two before. Days before she, had, yeah. she had no time to train and she also was like, I just could not ha- like handle the weight of the backpack. She's like, I'm yeah. really tiny. And I just, she's like, it was too hard. But she said, I'm so grateful for it. I felt like I learned something more about myself. But she said everybody that participated was really, really nice. And they were all very open with one another. And Kelly said the same about like their life experiences. So I think that, like it bonded them to some degree. But uh, watching it, I'm like, Tyler Cameron could have been in the military. Yeah. Oh, he's going to he's going to win him. And to me, him and Jojo are winning this thing. They are definitely getting to the end. I think they're, both- they apparently got really, really tight. Yeah. Nick, Tyler and uh, Jojo. I heard they became very, very tight because of it. Yeah. I would not be surprised if Tyler and Jojo end up being the two winners. I think Bodie, while he is physically equal to Tyler out there, he's doing really well in all the tasks. I have a feeling he'll just end up quitting because he doesn't like being told things and being yelled at. He, they've made that clear in the edit. I think Nick Vial's body um, is, well, 
I've seen the episode that was supposed to air on Monday, but World Series pushed it back two weeks. So uh, Nick is Nick is starting to struggle. Let's put it just let's just put it that way. I don't think he's. But you know what they said? You know they were like Kelly said this, but also the guys said it. Um, They told me the fact that you have even tried out, like even the people in real life who do special forces, like doing it, even trying out is so impressive. So even if you're Tara and you like you're done in a day or two, or if you're Nick that make it, you know, I don't know, like seven days. Like that's super, super impressive. Oh yeah. No, I will never, you know, I have a personal vendetta against Nick Vial. Don't like the guy and will never respect anything that he does because of my personal interactions with him. But I can separate that when I watch this show because it has nothing to do with my personal interactions with him in the past where I felt that the way he spoke to me and the way he treated me was disrespectful. But I can watch the show and be like, hey, credit to you and credit to everybody that goes on that show because not in a million years would I ever do it. I don't want to do that. And they're being put into situations that the average normal person, Nick is not a mil- is not military trained. JoJo Siwa is like 90 pounds soaking wet. And to see her doing some of these things with a 30-pound backpack on is it's impressive. There's no other way around it. You know, it's yeah. just like all credit see, to they that. They also, they were impressed by Bodhi. Yeah. I remember Bobby, the guy, one of the guys I interviewed, he said, I thought that Bodie He's done the did a best great so job. Far. And Kelly said that he he did open up to them about the loss of his daughter. Yeah. They all, she was like, they all, everybody kind of had a, a, like an interesting personal story. Yeah. And Nick's is that right before he left for filming is when he found out that him and his girlfriend uh, or fiance were having a baby. So, oh, is that thing. right? Yeah. He found out right before he went. That's what he says in the next episode. Yeah. Wow. So, that's and, and that was like his thing. Like, I want to be there for her. I want to put myself through this to see if I'll always be able to be there. Like, that's kind of his story. Uh, you know, Tyler's mother uh, died a couple of years ago. Suddenly, uh, he, you know, f- had a kind of a rough conversation with her his last one before she was in a car accident. So they're, they're, they're kind of, they're going down that route. Bodie obviously speaks about, um, the daughter that he lost, uh, you know, Kelly Rizzo, obviously losing Bob Saget last year. Like everybody, Jojo Siwa just being this, you know, pop star who was basically not allowed to do anything. And then obviously had to, you know, suppress her sexuality for the longest time because of who her parents were and the pressures that she was under. Like there's so many, everyone's got a little bit, uh, of a story. So yeah, uh, it's, it's really interesting. The next episode is really good. Um, it was supposed, oh, like I said, it was supposed to air Monday and the screeners go out on every, every Friday. So I watch it then or over the weekend, but mm-hmm. then, uh, because of the baseball games result on Sunday, that meant that there was going to be a Monday game. So Fox had to push it back two weeks because next week the world series is on Monday night. And then the following week, November 6th is when it comes back and that's oh, but maybe that's episode. good though. Maybe yeah. it's good that they wait till after that to air it. Yeah, and it's it's a good episode, and it's it's probably the it's definitely the most camera time that Nick has had all season because for four episodes, Nick's kind of just been there in the background. We don't really see much of him. This one is definitely very Nick focused. It seems like every episode they focus on probably one or two, and this is yeah. the this is going to be the the Nick Vial episode. So. For people interested, pay attention to that. All right. We uh, we always end our conversations with documentaries that you are interested in and that you have watched and you promote um, on your podcast mm-hmm. and in your sub stack. And 
there's so many out there. Clearly, I mean, it's just Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon. They just they're loaded with them. So it's just like I, we can't promote every single one of them. But there are three that I think I might find interesting that I want you to talk me into. Like I do every time. Like talk me into what okay. making me watch this. Yeah. There's one. There's one you're not going to have to talk me into because I'm definitely watching it. And that is the Millie Vanilli documentary on Paramount+. Oh, my Plus. God. No, I know. I know. No, absolutely obsessed. Can't we obsess with this story? Yeah. If people aren't familiar, it's the, these two guys that wanted to be like, wham. You know, they wanted to have like a big uh, pop career. And it turns out that they were completely lip syncing their songs. They were busted at this one concert. They were singing, I'm in love with you, girl. Like that song. And yeah. like the, the, the it clipped. It, it kept, and they kept, it kept going, playing, replaying yeah, over and over again. And, forth, and they were busted. And they became this big laughing laughing stock. Um, and then one of them died. And by the way, that, the first when I moved to LA, the the first celebrity I ever saw was Fab from Millie Vanilli at like a takeout chicken place. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. I could not believe it. I just am obsessed with that story about the the, the men that actually sang most of their songs. It was like they were like much much older. Great yeah. voices. Their songs were awesome. It's just they were lip syncing them. Yeah, and it's amazing because they got a Grammy for it, and then it was taken away. It was the only time in the history of the Grammys that someone got their Blame Grammy taken all away. The rain, such good songs. I, I yeah, totally worth worth it. Every second of it, watch that. This was, I want to say, this was summer of '89 for me. I wore the hell out of that CD. Like they were <laughs> when I was like, this was in my formative high school years. Where you know R and B and hip hop was kind of making uh, waves in the music industry and dancing and going to clubs started becoming a thing. I, th- those those songs were just so beboppy and so catchy. Everybody so knew everybody knew them. And then to find out that these two guys with long dreadlocks that are dancing around in their spandex in their videos aren't even the guys that sang the song. We're just like mind blown. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah, we can't, so. And to your point, we can't forget, like they were iconic at the time for oh, their yeah. style. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, it was like, we, we had never seen something like this, like two men with dreadlocks down to the middle of their back and they would dance around in jackets and spandex shorts. Like they were riding a, a, a bicycle in the tour de France. Like, and then, yeah. they, and then they would wear high top shoes. Like it was a really, we just never seen anything like this, but they had good choreographed dance moves. The songs so were good. catchy as hell. Yeah. And then what happened was, you know, the lip syncing, they were caught. They had to, they, they ended up admitting it. And then, um, one of them just couldn't deal with the scrutiny. Rob, no. um, and Rob ended up getting, turning to drugs and alcohol and basically overdosed in 1990. I want to say about 25 years ago, 97, I believe, is when he died. And then Fab. He is, was so, so handsome, too. He had those yeah. light, light eyes. Yeah, he looked like a, he looked like a male model. He could be on the cover they of anything. Did. They looked like German models, yeah. just like super handsome. And, and Fab now uh, lives overseas. He's got four kids, I believe. And he's been able to, you know, he was able to avoid what Rob went through, but you know, talking about it and just kind of reading. I haven't seen it yet. It, it, it debuted um, yesterday. It came out on Paramount Plus. But reading a review of it and reading some of the quotes that he had in it, it was. It's almost kind of. It's almost kind of sad. These two were taken advantage of. Essentially, they were. They oh, signed sure. a deal, and then like, yep. you're not singing. Like, wait, what? We want to sing. Like, no, we have the we have the voice tracks. You guys are just gonna dance, and you have to basically lie to America and. Because they wanted to make it so bad in the industry, they went along with it. You know, it's a fascinating story, but I can't wait to watch the whole thing. 
really fascinating. The other one, um, the Krishnas on Peacock. And oh, I just watched it. I just interviewed. Yeah, that my I just interviewed the executive producers. It's out tomorrow. Okay. Okay. This one's interesting because it's the whole story. Of, well, in the beginning, of the first episode, you're going to hear the history of the Hari Krishnas, and there was the the, the Swami in the '60s uh, started to come to America and had this plan for Westernization of the Hari Krishnas. Basically, there people are familiar with their picture in pop culture. It's like monochromatic kind of robes. The men all have shaved heads. There's lots of dancing, singing, and chanting. You'd see them with like, like, like finger tambourines dancing in the street. Well, in the 60s, the Swami was trying to bring it to America and actually became very, uh, I don't know if they were friends, but he spent a lot of time with George Harrison and uh, the Beatles. And George Harrison eventually made a song. Um, I can't remember the name of it now, but there in the, the song is all about him trying to find a relationship with God. And in the background, the chorus is about uh, the, the repeating of the Hare Krishna, like a chant. So it really became part of pop culture in the sixties. And so they had all these different outposts throughout the world, like these kind of ashrams where people could go and live and be part of like a community, Hare Krishna community. And so there was one in particular that they created in West Virginia of all places. Headquarters of Hare Krishna is called uh, Vrindavan, and then they created a new Vrindavan um, in West Virginia. So the person that they had as the Swami, the leader there, was an American by the name of Keith Ham, who was a complete whack job. So he takes over, he gets you know his new guru name, and people are just going bananas for him and he ends up operating that outpost and he's diabolical and he's encouraging the like some he, there are a couple people that work under him and one's like the money guy and one's the enforcer now the way that they make any money is by begging <laughs> so if you were to be out in public and a Hare Krishna would come up to you they would ask you for money but Keith's plan was um go to the pit, meaning like go to where people are and ask for money, but just, you, it's okay to lie to them and just say like, I'm trying to collect money for orphans or whales or whatever, whatever you can do to get money. And so the women seem to be very good at begging. So even if a woman had a new baby, they would make her go out and leave her newborn to go beg. And then the children are separated from their parents around five years and they were put into like a boarding school on the property. But the people who were like the smartest, they would go out to be the beggars. And the people that were left behind to be in charge of the boarding schools were all like people with mental health problems and um, like, or like violent backgrounds. And they were the ones teaching the children. So all in the 80s, all these children came forward and said that they had been sexually and physically abused um, on this specific property. And it was all at the hands of this American guru. Um, so he ended up going to jail. And so it's really kind of like how there was all the stuff going on at that one outpost in West Virginia. There was murder of two different men, one that was a whistleblower. They killed him. Um, and it's, 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 it's crazy. So it's three episodes you know what it's if you liked wild wild country on netflix which is one of the best docuseries in the history of time about a wackadoo a cult in oregon in the 80s you will love this one okay i've seen neither well i, I was christian <gasps> oh but. wild wild country you got to put on that and lately that is one of i will tell you this wild wild country opens with 
um, a bunch of uh, congregants dressed in the same thing, like monochromatic outfits. And they have necklaces around their neck with big medallions with the picture of their, um, their guru. And this guy came from India and he was building this like community in Oregon of all places. And they rather, it was like the first that person that kind of um, melded Eastern mysticism with Western capitalism. So people with advanced degrees were like leaving their family or not their family, but their life behind to live on like a commune. And they all followed this guru, but the guru had like 121 Rolls Royces. Like he, he, he was all about like, I'm going to live the high life. So the beginning scene of wild, wild country is a bunch of the congregants in Oregon rolling out a red carpet. I'm not kidding you with people using dust busters to like make the carpet all clean. And the guru pulls up in a Rolls Royce and he gets out to walk down the carpet and people are in the outfits along the edges of the red carpet playing recorders. I'm not even kidding you. I'm not even kidding you. you got to watch it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So if you like cult stuff, like those two are awesome. The final one, is something that happened years ago. And I want when I say years, I say about 15 years ago. And it was a story that made headlines and it was really salacious. And I never really did a lot. I never really did much of a deep dive to it, but I should have because it involved Hollywood and celebrities and jewelry. And that was the ringleader on HBO. Which Yeah, I don't think you need to I don't think you need to spend good. any of your time. No, I feel like that story's been told on every single network. Oh. And it, the, the net net is this. It's a bunch of jerky kids who were jealous that celebrities had like nice houses and things. And they were like, Yeah, let's just go rob them. So those were the days where, you know, Paris Hilton might have a party and people could just kind of pull up and like they didn't lock their cars, so these jerks would like go through and like take things from cars and then they were like wow it's so easy to get into the house like let's just monitor their social media so if paris hilton was like yay can't wait to be in tokyo tonight at the blah 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 event they were like bonus and they would figure out how to get through security and then go into her house and steal her stuff so it's like they're kind of almost like but it was teenagers right it wasn't like adult professional um, <laughs> they were like early 20s yeah but now they're kind of like you feel gross about it because they're all getting opportunity through documentaries and series to talk about it and you're kind of like why are we making these weirdos famous and if the story's been retold so many times the last one's on hbo and it's from the perspective of rachel who was the ringleader and i'm kind of like mm, i don't know if it's so interesting anymore you know you like this is the problem with documentaries right now my complaint is like just give me to me one time. I don't need to see that version on seven different networks. Yeah, no, that's understandable. But this Rachel Lee, who was the ringleader of all of this, it's been 15 years now. So exactly does it, I'm just curious, what are these people doing now? What was their punishment? Did they admit to it or they just got caught? And how was it known that they, it was like a group of people that just said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to rob celebrities. Well, they admitted, they admitted to it. Some turn each other in, and then they're like, some of them serve prison time. One girl has like a podcast. You know, it's everything that you would expect in the year 2023. <laughs> like somebody does something horrible, they go to prison, and then they start a podcast as a way of like getting, um, you know, making them feel 
okay about the things that they did and then they interview other people that also did horrible things it's yeah i don't know i feel like this story is like why waste your time yeah it's and now that you mention it it almost is kind of icky because there's like great we're we're basically i don't know if we're elevating or propping up people that committed crimes like hey yeah, like, tell like us Paris how you committed crimes <laughs> yeah parasol has been like why well i like this was a horrible thing like i would come home and someone had been going through my things i was completely violated and stuff was stolen from me and like now we're gonna make a docuseries about it like yay you broke into parasol and sauce it's weird yeah my bad shouldn't have uh should have been so excited about <laughs> well, that. Well, no, that's why you have me to tell you this yeah. is worth your time or not. No, yeah, that's absolutely. the reason I have you on to tell me which yeah. one is good and which one isn't. So I won't waste my time on the ringleader, which is on uh, HBO. So uh, again, there are so many other ones out there. But if you're interested, go to uh, Kate Casey's Substack. You want to give out the address for that? How? Yeah, can it's so that. easy. Just go to Kate Casey, K A T E C A S E Y dot substack dot com. And every Monday I give you a list of what to watch in unscripted TV. And what's great is that you could also get the, all the archive lists. So if you see something or you've watched everything on the list for whatever reason, you're like, let me go back three weeks. There's probably something you totally missed. Um, there's so many good ones out there. And sometimes I feel like the documentaries get kind of tucked away. And if they're not, you know, something like for example uh like a great one on i think i've talked to you about it before on netflix is the vatican girl about a girl that disappeared from vatican city in the 80s and yeah how the catholic church may have been involved like stuff like that may be tucked away on your for you page or something and you may miss it so go back and look at all the archive list to find all the things that you may have missed well, oh, and also there's a lot of good sports ones out right now that I'm crazy about. Oh, yeah. No, there's definitely some really good ones on sports. I know we should be getting eh, – it probably won't be till the start of the new year. We should be getting the new season of Full Swing, which covers uh, a year on the PGA so Tour. Um, I know everyone swears by um, – the F1 show, which I still have never seen. It's that's that's a good that's yeah. really you would I think you would love it actually. Yeah. Um and th yeah, there's just there's so many. And then you just get lost because you know there's wait, really wait. good ones. Did you watch BS High? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Okay. It. Yeah. yeah. I was okay. Really that's good. a great one too. Yeah. And then oh, here's what I wanted to end with because this is something we talked about probably three podcasts ago that was the biggest story in the world back then, and I don't know what's happened since and that's the 2022 uh, killings of the University of Idaho students. Where are we at in the Brian Koberger case? Well, okay, so I, people should watch out for episodes that I do with Jody Weber because she's a retired FBI agent. Yeah. And she every time there's a development, she walks through it. She's excellent. Um, we're kind of waiting for the court date now. There's been some delays. I thought that we all thought that the court, the trial would begin this month. So it's been delayed temporarily. Um, I think that what we have to look forward to is all of the discovery. And what's come out recently, there was a book written um, by one of the parents. I think it's Kaylee's father. Maybe There was a book written that just came out, and now they say that the two surviving roommates were communicating with each other via text. Um, and that's a significant detail that we didn't really know until recently. So then you're wondering, um, we know that one of the roommates, Dylan, saw him walk past her. We don't, I don't think that he knew that she saw him. 
but her door was kind of like op cracked open a little bit. Um, and now to know that the two of them were communicating to some degree to hear what they were writing back and forth will be very interesting to put all the kind of the pieces together. And we're also waiting to see whether or not um, he had been following one or two of them. It sounds like that Maddie was the first one to be murdered and that um, Kaylee came second. Okay, so that's where we're at. We haven't even started the trial yet of this thing. No, but I'm telling you, this trial, I think, will be... It's going to be huge. I think it will be like the OJ trial of our time, like the, where everybody's watching. I thought I thought the Murdoch trial was pretty big. I think this surpasses it. Yeah, no, I. this is something to where I'm not a big... I, I love courtroom movies, but when it's something that's on like every day and we can, you know, if it's being televised and CNN or whatever, any one of the news channels... Uh, this is something that I might not watch it every day, but I'm going to want to read what happened that day in court every day at the end of every day. So I'm you know what it is too. I, I I think that part of it too is like this is a this is an experience a situation where he was a crime student. He was pursuing a PhD, so it's almost like it it, it crosses over into this weird territory where the student becomes the killer, and I think that adds a whole other layer to it that we are all finding absolutely terrifying yeah it's it's diabolical is what it is and it's almost like this isn't just oh some crazy guy some serial killer just decided to you know find more victims i mean like you said it's it's a guy that was at the school it seems like this was very you know this is just my opinion just kind of premeditated he's following people around it's almost like you know planned the whole thing perfectly and you know it just and it's the whole story is just and it's because it's it's recent and it's because we have, you know, four college students. And like I said, it, it resonated with me because I have a niece who's in college. So it's just like, yeah. it's just scary uh, to think of that this could happen on any campus. Just so mm -hmm. happened, you know, happened at the University of Idaho. But who knows? This can happen anywhere. There's there's that one girl who went out jogging, I think, at the University of Iowa and was killed by somebody who was stalking her. It's just, you just never or know. Or there was the case, there's the, the case about... Um Lauren, who was at University of Utah, and she was being stalked by a guy that she had temporarily dated. Yeah. And she went to the campus police, and they uh, they kind of laughed it off. And then he came to school and just grabbed her, put her into his car, and shot her in the back of it. Yeah. I mean, it is it is freaky. And, um, yeah, I, I'm really curious to see if this uh, University of Idaho case takes off like I think a lot of people think it will. But, uh Kate, yeah. thank you so much for coming on again. Really love having you on. Uh, I appreciate thank you. it. And uh, we will obviously be in touch. Awesome. Thank you again. You got it. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much to Kate. Really appreciate her coming on. She's great to have on to talk all things and update me on things that I only read headlines on and or stories on. I, I'm not a headline reader. I will read the story, but... I just don't follow through with watching some of the shows. I already got enough shows to watch, and, you know, the Housewife franchise seems to be on 12 days a week. So it's like I, I can't dedicate my time to that show. But I do take an interest in some of the storylines that I see that make uh, headlines in Us Weekly, People, EW.com, all that stuff. And Mauricio and Kyle um, – why was I going to say Kyle Singer? Where did that come from? <laughs> Kyle Richards. Kyle Singer's a former basketball player at Duke. Um, no, that's Kyle Singler. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Don't listen to me. Anyway, 
But the whole Mauricio stuff, I just didn't know enough about other than when I saw he was announced as the cast member. I'm like, I thought I just read a story. This guy's literally in the middle of a separation. What's he doing going on Dance with the Stars? But uh, Kate obviously had a very full-blown explanation for all that was going on. I did notice in those first 15 to 18 minutes, I did notice it did sound a little hollow. Like you can understand her. But you'll notice once we made the change over, because I paused it and it said, hey, can you maybe get off speaker? She wasn't on speaker. She just, I guess, had her headphones in. So that's why Uh, it sounds way different. It sounds a lot clearer from about the, uh, you know, I guess, well, it's 18 minutes when I record it, but then I have an open that's somewhere between seven and 10 minutes. So probably around the 25 minute mark. Um, I think it's when we move on to talking about Vanderpump Rules is when the, you'll definitely notice the sound. You, You definitely noticed the sound change. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple podcasts. Also rate and review daily roundup is, uh, up in your podcast feed. If you didn't hear it already, hometown date number two is today in new Orleans, Louisiana with Kelsey Anderson. I'm still trying to figure out the other two, but, uh, based on locations now, um, I think we have an idea of where this is headed, but so your first two hometowns were Daisy Kent and Kelsey Anderson today. And, um, that's on my Instagram feed. It's on my Twitter feed. It's also in my Instagram highlights. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it for Kate Casey. I'm reality, Steve. I will talk to you tomorrow. See you.